0: amen and amen. Well, today I want to preach a message that I believe is for a very specific group of people, although I feel like all of us are going to receive something from it. I want to preach to those who feel like giving up. And I'm not just talking about giving up on your life, although if we're honest, some of you might be thinking that today. But maybe you had a goal, you had a vision, You had a dream, and and you started it, and you were super fired up. You were super excited about it, but then you hit resistance. It stalled. You didn't see the progress you wanted, and you find yourself this morning discouraged, overwhelmed, and you feel like quitting. For some, it's going to be a relationship that you've been praying would be restored, maybe with a spouse, maybe with a son, maybe with a daughter, maybe with a friend, and you've been praying and believing that it would be restored and that relationship is still broken today and it leaves you wondering, will it ever be the same again? Or maybe it's a marriage that you're fighting for and if you're honest this morning, you're just running out of fight. Maybe it's a miracle that you're believing for in your health and you've thought, God, I've been battling this thing for so long, will it ever change? Maybe you're believing for a miracle in your finances and you've just kind of given up on the fact that you're going to live in poverty for the rest of your life. Maybe it's an addiction that you can't seem to break. Maybe it's depression that has you hold up, always anxious, always worrying, and never able to enjoy the joy of life. Or maybe you're praying for a child to come home or a child to understand that they have a heavenly father in heaven who loves them and you just are tired and feel like giving up. You've tried, you've prayed, you've believed, but if you're honest this morning, you're losing hope. I want to title our message, if you're taking notes, I know we, we have an I Am statement that we'll get to, but the title this week is, When You Want to Give Up. When You Want to Give Up. Now, today's message is going to end this series that we've been in for about seven weeks, And this series is called Pre-Decide, how we make better choices that lead to a better life. In the first week, we talked about the quality of our decisions will determine the quality of our life. And naturally, as humans, we're not good decision makers. And so we talked about the power of pre-deciding and how we can pre-decide with a statement. We can pre-decide when I'm faced with this situation, I have pre-decided to take this decision action. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? I've pre-decided when my mother-in-law makes me mad, I will, I ain't gonna go there. She's in here, guys. But we can pre-decide, and we have to pre-decide, because we need to be ready. And so we decided that we were going to have these six I am statements, because if we can pre-decide who we are, that will help us know what To do. And and so our first I am statement, we predecided, I am ready. Y'all should know the drill by now. Come on, church, let's say it. I am ready. All right, and we're gonna be ready by moving the line, magnifying the cost and planning our escape. And then we pre decided I am consistent. There we go. We're going to know the why. We're going to plan to fail. We're going to fall in love with the process. And then we said, I am devoted. I am devoted. Now say it like you mean it. Come on. I am devoted. There we go. We're going to seek first the one who matters most. And we have to pre decide a time, a plan, and a place. A few weeks ago, we decided, I am faithful. Faithful to add value, faithful to multiply, and faithful to obey. And last week we predecided I am generous. Come on, church, say it. I am true. that's right. We have to predecide to plan to be generous, and we've got to pre-decide to always round up. And so our last I am statement where we're gonna finish this series today is this: I am a finisher. Come on, say it. I am a finisher. You see, we have to pre-decide to be a finisher because it's never easy to finish. If we're really honest, it's actually super easy to start something, but finishing is hard. And this idea, if we aren't careful and we overlook it, we don't realize that it's actually more important than what many people think. The, the ability to finish what you started is actually what separates average people from amazing people. We, we would like to believe that it's intelligence or it's appearance or talent or education or what they know or who they know. But what truly sets the amazing person, the successful person, the generous person apart from everybody else is their perseverance. Perseverance. They're willing to finish their refusal to quit. Psychologists have defined this as a term called grit. And they've defined grit as the strength of character that refuses to quit. I, I read this quote this week when I was preparing this message that said enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare. And I began to think of how many people I know in my life that they have a lot of endurance. How many of y'all just would love to walk outside today and run 10 miles just for fun? Yeah, not very many of us. Why? Because it takes endurance to accomplish it. If you're trying to get into running, I've got a piece of advice. Have a friend of yours, have your husband, have your wife, drive about two miles away from your house, drop you off and then leave. Because the only way you're going to quit is when you get home. I'm just saying, some of us, we get on that treadmill and it's too easy to quit. It's easy to start, but it's hard to finish. And so we're going to pre-decide today, I am a finisher. And how we do that is we make this decision. When I commit, I don't quit. Come on, say that, church. When I commit, I don't quit. You know, one of my greatest mentors in my life gave me a piece of advice that has stuck with me from that moment. And he said, Michael, you need to learn to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Only commit to the things that you can see through to the finish. Only say yes to the things that you can say, if I started, I'm not going to quit. I want to look at the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And as you're turning there, if you've got your Bible, turn there, 2 Timothy chapter 4. But some context here into this letter. This is one of the letters that the Apostle Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And this letter is actually being written not from a place where Paul is seeing supernatural success in his life. This is actually a time in Paul's life when he's facing some very real opposition and very real persecution. The Roman Emperor Nero is in charge right now of the empire, and he's actually sentenced Paul to be beheaded. And and so Paul's in this dungeon. And and when we think of a dungeon in this time period, think of like the sewage tunnels under New York City, all right? It's gross, it's disgusting, it's underground. And, And what happens in these dungeons is people are waiting to be executed, And oftentimes when they're waiting to be executed, a lot of men would actually die in the dungeon because their living quarters were so unhealthy and so disgusting. So they'd get sick and they'd die down there and they wouldn't even clean up their bodies. They would just leave the bodies to rot. And so this is where Paul's writing these letters from. And I think it's important for us to understand that context, because sometimes in America, we can think that Paul's just chilling in his bougie mansion, writing these letters about hope and about salvation and about grace, but he's actually writing these letters from very difficult seasons, difficult moments. But I love it because Paul still has hope, even in the face of persecution. Paul still holds true to the words of Jesus, even when a situation looks like hell has won. And so we're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I I just want to start and read a few verses, verse 5 through 7. The Bible says, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. I love this. One of the reasons I love this is i think paul is reminding timothy and i believe god is reminding everyone today that whether you have a title that would be referred to as a ministry title or not that every single follower of jesus has been given a ministry from god you don't have to be in full-time ministry to have a full-time impact for his kingdom And, and paul is saying carry out fully carry out the ministry. And he goes on to say that he's finished his race. Well, here's what I want to tell you, church. Paul might have finished his race, but your race ain't over yet. Some of y'all acting like God's done with you. Some of y'all, like I turned 85 and I'm done. I'm just coasting to the day the good Lord calls me home. Others of y'all, y'all are only like 25 and you're acting like you're done. Ho, ho, ho. We just getting started. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Here's how I'd like to say if you're not dead, God's not done. If you're not dead, He's not done. God's got more for you to do, He's got more love for you to give. He's got more people to help. He's got more ministries to start. He's got more businesses to launch. He's got more content to create. He's got more hope to share, more friendships to make, more addictions to break. I'm just saying, y'all, there is more that God has in store. Don't give up. I'm glad one person believes it because I'm preaching and y'all ain't responding. God is not done oh well there was a revival that happened in kentucky at asbury and they didn't where's our revival when does our time begin i don't care what he's doing over there i'm ready to see the floodgates of heaven open right here in southwest kansas I'm ready to see this town of 772 people where all 772, if today was the day they took their last breath, they would enter the gates of heaven. I'm just saying, y'all, there is more that God has in store. So why do we quit? One of the main reasons I believe we quit in life is because we get overwhelmed. A lot of times we have so much going on in life, we have to ask ourselves, well, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to quit doing? And and I spend a lot of time, I, I look into God's word, but I also like to study what culture and what society and what science likes to say about some of these topics that I preach on. And, and I came across this really interesting quote. There's an author, David Allen, he's a psychologist, and he began to study why people are often depressed. He began to study why is the stress level of people today higher than it's ever been before. And he said this in his book. He said, much of the stress that people feel doesn't actually come from having too much to do, it comes from not finishing what they've started. I I want y'all to do an experiment this week. Ask every single person you meet hey, how's it going? And every single time somebody says busy, I want you to commit to giving $100 to the church. Just kidding, guys. I'm joking. (laughs) But I'm serious. Ask them. And keep track. I I could probably spend today, and I could probably ask 20 people how they're doing, and out of those 20 people, 18 of them are going to say busy. And you know what actually breaks my heart about that? I look around our communities, and I see people living in poverty, I see businesses that aren't flourishing. I see businesses that haven't started yet. I see houses that are crumbling. I see yards that need mowed, and I've got to ask myself: Everyone's busy, but what the heck are they doing? I, I don't see any movement. I, I don't see any great change. I don't see any like amazing things happening everywhere. But everyone's busy doing what? Are, are they busy for the kingdom or are they busy for themselves? And what happens in life is we start something and, and we lose our grit to finish it. And so how we find affirmation and how we comfort ourselves is we just go start something else. And we leave this thing unfinished over here. One of the things that I love doing, and y'all can judge me for it, I love mowing the yard. If you drive by my house, my prayer is that my yard looks the nicest. Not out of pride, but it's one of the few things in life that I can walk outside my house, I can start mowing my yard, and three hours from the time that I start, it is finished. It is one of the most satisfying feelings in the world. Because if you're anything like me, there's a lot of things in our workplaces that we never actually see finish. There's a lot of things in our life that we never actually see finished. And we love, it's in our human nature, we love to see things finished. It is true. So I wanna ask you, what haven't you finished? What unfinished business is there in your life? And no, I'm not talking about that Netflix show, all right? Oh, I gotta go finish that today. No, that's not what your pastor is telling you. I'm asking you, what has God called you to start that you have left unfinished? In Revelation 3, we read the letter to the church in Sardis. And in this letter, it says, I know your deeds. I know you're busy. For you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God they might as well have just written that to the church in southwest Kansas wake up it's not over don't give up what's your unfinished business is it to heal a broken relationship is it to share your faith with somebody that God's been laying on your heart for years? Is it to finally give what God has told you to give? Is it to finish that degree? To start that hobby? To launch that business? To join that small group? To sign up to serve? To start a ministry? To drop 20 pounds? To apologize to the one who has hurt you? What is your un? finished business. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the apostle Paul gives some advice. Starting in verse 10, he says, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. You see, the church in Corinth was really good at this. They would start something And they would realize that something else was going on that they wanted to be a part of better or that culture or society was changing over here. So they wanted to jump on that trend or this trend. And they began to get so distracted with everything that they were starting, that there were so many projects and so many things that they were leaving unfinished. And so the the apostle Paul is writing to them, here's my advice for the church. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. What is the unfinished business in your life? Now, I know some of y'all might be asking this question. Well, pastor, why does it matter if I quit? I I look around this room, and there's about 100 people in here. Why does it matter if I quit? Because so-and-so is going to pick up the tab. I'm 87 years old. I can't do things the way I used to do them. Why does it matter if I just coast to the finish line? Why does it matter if I quit? Well, guys, I'm so glad you asked. Thanks for being participating. Here's why it matters, because every decision we make is a vote towards our future. And you know what vote we're making when we decide to quit? We're voting that we don't have what it takes. Yes, maybe you don't have the same energy you had when you were 20 years old. Maybe you're going to have to change the method of your ministry, but don't give up on the ministry. Maybe you're going to have to do things a little bit different than you did when you were my age or when you were a teenager. You can change the method and keep the mission. Don't quit. You see, when we stand strong, when we persevere, and when we don't back down, we are voting, I am a finisher, I will persevere, and when I commit, I will not quit. There was a moment in my high school career, I like to call it the anyone else have glory days in their life? Come on, be honest, every man better raise their hand. Y'all know what I'm saying. You, you sit down at a campfire, and you're talking about the football teams this year, and you're like, man, remember back in 83 when we won the state championship? You know, we, we threw for 1,000 yards that, see, those glory days. I remember when I was in high school. It was my senior year of track and cross country, and I had actually already signed and committed to run in college, and so I, I was kind of just cruising at that point. I, I was like, I'm going to just coast through the end of my year, and, and I just want to get to the next level and i showed up at a track meet and i went out on the track and and believe it or not i actually ran my fastest 800 that i've ever ran before but my coach pulled me aside he started yelling at me michael i told you not to quit i told you not to give up i said man i just ran a pr what are you talking about he says i saw your face when you made that turn when you had 200 meters left to go and it was the look on your face that said i'm just coasting to the finish He said, I I want you to know that today you have a decision to make. What kind of person do you really want to be? Are you going to be the person that starts something and just coasts to the finish line? Or are you going to be the person that saves your best for the end? And you're going to run that race until you can't run anymore. And you're not going to quit. And you're going to live with grit. And you're going to persevere. Because I'm here to tell you right now, this is the easiest it's going to be in your life what you decide today will determine who you will be tomorrow it changed me because in that moment i realized i had to make a decision i had to pre-decide that i was not going to quit but i want to be honest this morning you may see me struggle but you won't see me quit I think the lie that some of us believe is that in order for us to be finishers, it means we don't have problems in our life. It means we'll never struggle. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you have not yet submitted your life to Jesus Christ this morning, I do believe it's the best decision you will ever make. But here's what I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you it's going to make your life perfect. I'm not going to tell you it's going to make your life better. I'm not going to tell you that it's going to remove every problem from your life. Because what happens when you submit your life to Jesus is now you have something to live for. Now you have a purpose to die for. But what it also does is it puts a target on your back because all of hell is coming after you. And isn't it amazing? Just think about this for a moment. When something is of value, people fight over it. When something is of value, people bid on it. Can I tell you how valuable your soul is? All of hell wants to kill it, but your father in heaven died to save it that's how valuable you are that's how precious you are all of hell is trying to kill it but all of heaven has died to save it when we commit we will not quit i'm not saying it's going to be easy it ain't going to be rainbow and sunshines and unicorns all the time but the greatest testimony of a follower of jesus is like that of the apostle paul that when persecution comes he says brothers you may see me struggle, but you will not see me quit. You may see me struggle, but you will not see me quit. How did he finish his race? How was he able to live in this way? I believe Acts 20, 24 gives us the answer. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. How was Paul able to finish his race? He finished his race because he wasn't running for himself. He wasn't running for himself. He said, I consider my life worth nothing. Do you know what happens when we quit? When we quit, what we are saying is we consider something else more valuable than the race that God has called us to run. When you give up on that thing that God has placed in your heart and you quit... What you are saying is, I know Jesus gave his life for me, but I consider this relationship, I consider this job opportunity, I consider this promotion, I consider this paycheck worth more valuable to me than what my God has called me to be. But the Apostle Paul understood the key to finishing the race was to not run it for yourself. What do you have to consider worth nothing in your life in order to run the race your God has called you to run? Is it your personal comfort? Is it your net worth? Is it the opinions of other people? Is it your personal hopes and dreams? No, I'm not saying don't give up on the dream God placed in you, but y'all know what I'm saying. We all got some dreams that aren't of God. What do we have to consider worth nothing in order to run the race that God has called us to run? In order to truly be a finisher of what we began? And y'all, here's the amazing thing about running the race. You don't have to finish it today, but you can take the next step. But I I know what, I know what's going to happen. Some of y'all are going to leave this place and you're fired up. Yeah, I'm going to go finish my race. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then tomorrow you wake up and you're, I don't know if I can do it. Don't overwhelm yourself with trying to finish the race today. Just take the next step. Just take the next step. What is it that God is calling you to do? You see, Jesus said to die on the cross. It is And we focus on those words and we focus on that phrase and we focus on the cross. But can I tell you something? There were a whole lot of steps that Jesus had to be faithful to take before he could ever declare it is finished on the cross. You see, he took the next step by loving those who hated him. He took the next step that when he was struck, he turned his other cheek. He took the next step that when he fell, carrying the cross on the path to Golgotha, he stood back up. He took the next step to forgive those who were cursing him. Jesus predecided all throughout his life. He was ready. He was consistent. He was devoted. He was generous. He was faithful. And he would be a finisher. What is the step? Is it to say another prayer, to make another call, to give another gift, to send another email, to run another mile, to memorize another verse, to take another lesson, to ask for another meeting, to talk to your children again, to pray for that person again, to forgive that person again, to dream that dream again. What is the step that you need to take? Because as a follower of Jesus, when we commit, we do not Amen. Amen. And I know, if we're honest this morning, some of y'all be limping. Some of y'all ain't even limping. Some of y'all be crawling. And you'd say, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. I get it, I get it. This is really inspiring. I'm being challenged right now, but I, I actually don't know if I can take the next step. I don't know if I have the money in the bank account. I, I, I don't know if I have the right, the right attitude. I don't know if I have the right personality to walk into that room. I, I don't know if I have the courage to call that person again. I, honestly, I don't know if I have the heart to forgive that person. You don't know what they did to me. I want to tell you, I've been there. When you feel like you can't take the next step. So I want us to check this video out real quick.
1: I see you, child, though you can't see me, and I know your thoughts before you even think. I heard every last prayer you prayed, though I answered all the time. You just didn't hear my reply, and I know it's not easy. Oh, don't you give up on me? Don't you? give up on me, cause the darker the night gets, the brighter the light is. don't you give up on me, don't you give up on me, you ain't seen what I promised, child we're just getting started. be your way when there's no way out. And I'll be your strength when your strength runs out. And if you want
0: 1992 Barcelona Olympics, Derek Redmond ruptured his hamstring. Looked as if he wouldn't go on, looked as if he would not finish his race. While he was struggling to take another step, what he did not see was behind him. His father was fighting security. His father was pushing people out of the way to get to his son why because he did not want his son to run alone and i'm here to encourage anyone in this room this morning man i feel it in my spirit some of y'all think you're running this race alone Some of y'all think you're limping just trying to get through on your own. You don't feel him. You don't see him. But I'm here to tell you your heavenly father loves you so much that he's pushing demons out of the way. He's storming the gates of hell. And he says, Son, daughter, don't give up on me because you were not created to run this race alone. He said, You might struggle, you might limp but you are never alone. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, be confident in this, that he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You are never alone. My Bible says, my God will not leave me nor forsake me. And that means even in the valley of the shadow of death, your God goes with you. That means when you're on the highest mountaintop that you've ever walked on, that your God is with you. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you think disqualifies you. When you are running in the lane that God has called you to run, you are never alone you may see me struggle, but you won't see me quit. He said, it is finished. And we can pre-decide today that I am a finisher because my God said it is finished. So I just want to end today. I want to ask if everyone would just close their eyes for a moment. I don't know what it is that you feel like quitting today. But I want to ask you this morning, if you came into this place and it was there's something in your life, there was something God was calling you to do. And you walked in here, hopeless and defeated, would you just lift your hand? Would you just lift your hand as an act of surrender this morning? I see those hands but more importantly, your Father in heaven sees those hands. And just like the words of that song, what he's saying to you, son, is don't give up on me. What he's saying to your daughter is I've got more plans. I've got more dreams. I've got more purpose for your life. Don't you give up on me. Because you see, when we run our race... And our goal is to run the race that God's called us to run. Quitting no longer becomes an option. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep dreaming. Keep sharing. Keep giving. But don't give up on me. And with every, eye closed every head bowed. Maybe this morning you feel like quitting because you don't see a purpose for your life. And right now you would say that you're living your life outside of the purpose that God has for you because you have never yet repented, submitted, and surrendered your life to him. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you were created by God and for God. And it's only when you repent, submit, and surrender that you will truly see the purpose that he created for you to live. Would you let today be the day that you don't give up, but you give it to God? That addiction that you're trying to overcome can be broken in the name of Jesus. That depression that's holding you back can be broken in the name of Jesus. The anxiety that is crippling you is overcome in the name of Jesus. That sickness that is causing you to walk and not experience the fullness of life can be healed in the name of Jesus your soul, apart from him that is destined to spend in eternity, in hell forever, can be saved in the name of Jesus. If you're in this room, and you need to make today the day of your salvation, would you call upon your heavenly father right now? There's not a special set of words, but the Bible does say when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and he was raised on the third day, then we shall be saved. So have that conversation with your Heavenly Father right now. Pray a prayer of repentance. Lord, I repent of my sin. I need your forgiveness. Pray a prayer of submission that you're willing to submit your life into the hands of your Lord and Savior. And pray a prayer of surrender. That you're going to surrender your will, your dreams, and your plan for what your God has in store for you. Holy Spirit, would you move in this room? Would you strengthen your children? Would you give courage and boldness to any believer in this room that feels like quitting? Would you call them up? Would you pick them up? Would you remind them today that they are not alone, but that he who began the good work will be faithful to complete it? We thank you, Father, that even though in this world we will face troubles, that we can take heart because you, Jesus, have overcome the world. would you go before us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? And would you direct us? We pray this all in your holy and precious name. All of God's children said, amen, 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 and amen.